0: Wake up! 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 Come on! Wake up! Wake up!
1: Wake up, wake up 502. It is going down. And y'all know when y'all hear the rocky music, you know what time it is. The cards, the cats, the governor's cup, it is going down. What's going on? It's your boy Rashawn Myers. Wake up 502, WXVW, Big X Sports Radio. It is going down on a beautiful, little brisk, but sunny. Saturday morning. Uh, what's going on? I got my man on the line, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Haven Harrington, calling from enemy territory down in Tallahassee, Florida. Haven, how you doing this morning, brother?
2: Man, doing good, Sean. Doing good, man. Enjoying. It's not quite sunny down here in sun in the in the Sunshine State. Well, overcast, but it's a good seventy-seven degrees. So I'll take it.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of jealous of that. You know, it's, it's nice. It's going to be like sixty though today. So you know. Not too bad, not too uh, bad here in the 502. But, of course, uh, we all know what's happening. We all know what's going down. Haven Harrington's favorite uh, time and, and favorite topics of the year are, are going to be going away soon. But this is a good way to end the college football regular season. Uh, we got L. We got UK. We got the blue versus the red. The good guys versus the bad guys. Stoops versus Satterfield. And <laughs> I feel like... Nobody really knows what's going to happen. I know people think they know what's going to happen. I, I I know it's very odd to look on ESPN.com and see that Louisville is listed as a top 25 ranked matchup. And Louisville's the team that's ranked, and Kentucky's the team that's not. But I, I tell you what, man, we got so much to get into today. I'm very, very excited. I know Haven Harrington's very happy that football is going to be put back on the front burner uh, for at least a day. Uh, that, that we are going to get into and chat about uh, everything going on, <laughs> Haven. Um, I think all Cardinal fans are happy the football is back on the front burner. Right after the massacre in Maui. Oh gosh, yeah. We we will get into that. I'm not gonna. i won't chat about that much, but we'll probably get into that. Um, probably the top of the second hour. I, you know, I'll at least give some thoughts of it. You know, I feel like a lot of what happened in the Maui massacre (laughs) uh, was what we thought. Um, You know, there were some things that came out of it, and kind of what we learned. So we will definitely get into that in hour number two. But hour number one is going to be all about football. It's going to be all about the Governors Cup. Haven, I know that's something that's near and dear, and and just gets your little heart just excited.
2: Man, I'm I'm beyond excited. I think this is legitimately. The first time since Satterfield has been here that I believe Louisville has a legitimate shot to win the game. Yeah. Maybe, maybe outside of that first season when we were 8-4 and four and it was all geeked up and they're playing really well, I think this is his best shot to win. And I, I think and I hope that he's finally kind of embraced the hate of the rivalry. I mean, listening for his interviews, it, it kind of sounds like, okay, I think I get it now. I think I understand what this rivalry is really about. I, I think he's, I think all the L's down and all the trash talking for the past
1: several years, I think kind of sunk in. And I believe the team is, is mentally ready. Well, you know, and, and Haven is funny because last year, of course, um, Satterfield was was you know saying all the right things and talking about now I know what the rivalry is all about and now we're ready but it was all kind of like fake juice last year as UK just came out there and with Will Levis and company they pretty much just did anything they wanted to as Louisville played apprehensive pass but don't pray uh, you know uh, uh, but you know bend but don't break same old conservative football that they've always done and they got ran over by a Mack truck last year. So, I mean, I think that more than anything today, even more than you versus your opponent, it's going to be you versus yourself to see if Louisville's going to actually come out and play aggressively. I, I think that's got to be the, the first thing that, that we have to find out is, you know, is, is Scott ready to go out there and win the game? Are you still going to come out there trying to play conservative? You're on the road. Uh, you know, you're down in enemy territory, down in Lexington. Uh, you're going to be down there, whatever it's called, Kroger Field at Commonwealth Stadium or whatever the heck they call that place now. Uh you know, the discount and double-check stadium. Uh, but, you know, you're going to be down there in enemy, enemy territory. It's going to be a bunch of blue in the building. Can Scott Satterfield come out and put an aggressive, you know, proactive game plan together, Haven? Like, what, what are you getting as far as your feelings? Louisville comes into this game ranked number 25, uh, first time being ranked, um, you know, in, in a couple of years. They're finally back into the rankings. Uh, like, is the aggressiveness level is that like where you're putting a pin in it for you, or what's the the big key factor just globally or overall when you look at this as a key for a Louisville victory? Oh, key
2: for a victory is easy. It all comes down to our front, our defensive front seven. Can they continue to put pressure on a quarterback, and can they continue to play that aggressive ball they've been playing since? Uh, after that Boston College debacle, right? Like, like, or the second half of a GD game. So, like, can they keep that type of defensive pressure up? Can they keep the blitzing going? Can they keep, you know, that all-out aggression? If they can do that, we'll go in. I mean, Kentucky's offensive line is, I mean, this is not the, the big blue wall that was in the past. The offensive line is very porous. Will Levis has been hit multiple, multiple, multiple times. Sacked multiple times, uh, you know, they give them up all sorts of tackles for loss this year. So like now is like now's the time. Now our strength is our front seven. Their weakness is their offensive line. Like now now's the time to bounce.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, and I think that's that right there. Um, you know, as we've said, Haven, and, and you know, been talking about it for several weeks. You know, with this Louisville team, the thing that gives you hope. Um, especially with the way those guys have been playing uh, since the uh, the Boston College game, uh, it really seemed like they turned a corner after that embarrassing loss. To really just kind of, you know, throw caution to the wind and go out there and just play an aggressive style of football, especially on the defensive side, and basically just letting uh, those front seven guys come after the quarterback, you know, sending five, sending six, sending safety, sending corners, uh, you know, being very, very aggressive. I um, lost some of the old school uh, Vance Bedford play calling um, and kind of throwing caution to the wind. And, and as we've done that, we've seen um, guys like uh, Yasser Abdullah and Yahya Diaby just, you know, fully embrace the attitude and the confidence that this team has just skyrocketed. Um, you know, I, I think that's the the big Uh, You know, that's been the biggest factor for everything that's happened, so much so that it really hasn't mattered. We, You know, we saw against Virginia, Brock Doman go out there, get the start, get the win. We saw Brock Doman come back last week versus an NC State team, um, you know, that's been very good even without, uh, you know, their starting quarterback most of the year. We saw, uh, you know, Louisville come out, beat that NC State team. That NC State team, Haven, uh, just a couple days ago, goes out and beats North Carolina. Uh, with basically the same guys that came out against Louisville. They go out there and knock off the Tar Heels in, in their rivalry game, and I think that kind of speaks volumes to where Louisville's at right now, right? Like, that they're literally playing good football, and it's all about their front seven. They're playing great football, and you're right. It's all about the defensive front seven. But this is something
2: – here. here's the thing, and for those of you who've who listened to Waco 502 or the main event since Satterfield has got here, we've always said, he was a good coach, right? Yes. We, we never questioned his coaching acumen. That was never the issue. The issue and the whole, the reason the whole damn slander things got started was because of his coaching acumen. It was more about the attitude, right? There's a certain attitude yeah, too nice. that you have to have yeah. if you're going to be successful at this level, and he just wasn't bringing it. This year, like literally after the Boston College game, and it seemed like the whole season was going off the rails, The fans had kind of turned against them. It looked like it was over, Scott. The light went off, and they got aggressive. And they got really, really aggressive on defense. They let the dogs off the porch. They they took the chain off of JYD. (laughs) And he went up, Right.
1: Absolutely. I mean, no, that, that and that's what it's all about. And of course, if you want to get involved, uh, best way to get involved, uh, give us a text into the Thornton's text line. That's 502-414-1450. Make sure you go out to one of the 63,872 Thornton's local locations here in the city of Louisville and surrounding areas uh, for all the best in gas, food, and snacks as well. Um, and we actually, uh, of course, you can also give us a call in on the uh, Wake Up 502 Buzz Line, 502-384-1450 as well. Um, we Actually, Haven, already have an early text into the line. Texter says, uh, love that opening music 100%. I love that. Thank you. Uh, it says, no room for fake juice today. Hoping Satterfield and the Cardinals are ready to kick some ass today. I like it. I like it. See, that's that's that right there is the energy that I need on a Governor's Cup morning. Y'all know I love basketball. But let me tell you something. I don't give a crap what's going on with the basketball team. I know Kenny Payne and everybody's struggling, and that's got you know Cardinal fan base up in the tizzy because we are a basketball first school. But let me tell you something. When it comes to this rivalry, and especially Stoops versus Satterfield, like this one means something to me. Um, because ever since you know Scott went out there with the whole complaint about the L's up and L's down looking very, very mentally weak, To go out there with that mess. And it really seemed like that gave Kentucky a psychological advantage to where they knew they had that guy at that point. You know what I mean? Like and and since then, uh it's been a lot of talk and it's been a lot of bravado on the UK side. UK football um, you know, started to talk real good and reckless, and they came into this season thinking, what they think, Haven? What, 10 wins? This year? Yeah. You know, that that's what they were talking about. Nine, ten wins, a chance to push Georgia, which looking back on it is absolutely hilarious that they thought that they could actually push Georgia. I mean, I know that they kept it within ten, and, and that's one of the reasons that I feel like Cardinal fans are kind of apprehensive is because Georgia won the game last week 16-6. to It wasn't a humongous blowout, and that kind of gives pause to think, you know, Huh, maybe maybe this Kentucky team is better than we thought. I personally haven't feel like Georgia didn't really take Kentucky seriously. It was almost like, yeah, we're not even really gonna go out there and try to do anything, you know? Like I, like like that, that's the feeling that I got from it. So I I don't really know that anything that happened in that UK Georgia game will have an impact or says anything more about this UK team. Am I looking too much into that, um, or, or or do you think there's more to Kentucky?
2: You know, it's, it's it's hard to tell in rivalry games, right? Because anything can happen, right? So, the, the, the issue that Louisville's had, and this is something we both said, like last year we thought Louisville had the talent to really, really compete and push Kentucky, and we saw what happened. Yes. What's been happening is it's not so much Louisville had a talent schematic deficit to Kentucky, it's that Kentucky has, has played bully ball. Yeah. And it's just... Oh, Louisville, and was just shrunk. You know, it's it's it's, 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 it's like if you watch uh, A Christmas Story, right, with the Vargas guys always running and chasing a dude around like the whole movie until the very end he finally stands up for himself with, with the Red Rider BB gun, right?
1: <laughs> right.
2: That That's what his rivalry has been like since Scott has been here, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's been... We've just been bullied. It's not that we couldn't beat the bully. We didn't have the talent to beat the bully. We've just been scared. And we've just been literally bullied.
1: Yeah, no, and no, I that's mean, happened. No, I I I totally agree with you. I mean, it's definitely been more of an attitude game. And and I think that there is a great opportunity um that Scott Satterfield has um in front of him today because I, I really and truly believe if you can go out there if you if you're the Louisville Cardinals and Scott Satterfield specifically it almost reminds me I swear you know it, it's one of those things like the water boy and you remember how in the water boy the one coach for uh for the big team in Louisiana always punked out uh you know the the coach uh, that water boy played for and he always kind of got into his head and he couldn't think right and outthought himself and uh, just just couldn't get out of his own way. And, and it felt like, you know, once he finally grabbed their power back, you know, everything changed and, and the bully got, you know, got what was coming to him. And I feel like this is like literally the same thing. Like Stoops has, has basically owned, uh, you know, Scott Satterfield's lunchbox. <laughs> he just went, took his lunchbox and just basically just doesn't give him anything. You know, and that's kind of been the way that this rivalry feels since he got there. Now, this is an opportunity for Scott Satterfield to um, seize back some power because not only does Scott Satterfield, if he gets this win today, A, you get to beat your rival and shut Stoops' big fat mouth up for once. You get to do it on the road in Commonwealth, which is an extra You know, kind of benefit, and then on top of that, you guarantee that Kentucky would not have a winning regular season. They would be six and six, and facing the possibility of actually having a losing season if they lose in the bowl game. Like to me, that's a complete and total shift. That could shift the whole. Like, literally the whole momentum, all we've heard about the last few years, Haven, is just this, that UK is taking the next step, that, you know, now they're a team that's competing at the top of the SEC, that now they're there to be taken seriously. I feel like a win today from Louisville kind of takes and puts UK back in their place. Like, am I crazy? Like, can this game really mean that much? Only if, only if, if, Louisville can can get the lead
2: and hold on to the lead. If Louisville plays like they're there to embarrass Kentucky, then you know everything has changed, right? Because it, it's not enough to win. Because if we, when you case played us, it was never enough just to win the game. They want to completely dominate and embarrass Louisville and run up the score. We have to have that same mentality, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like the juice is flowing. We're doing our thing. Man, we just got to let loose and be like, you know what? If we, if we can score with two seconds up to go in the game, I'm throwing that flea flicker. We're throwing it to T. Huddy, and we're going to score that touchdown with two se- with two seconds up to go in the game. Boom. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the mentality. Yeah. And if yeah. I can see that my mentality displayed, then yes, I will say the switch has been flipped. It's on. This changes the whole narrative of Louisville UK going forward.
1: And I, I, I heard I heard you use the nickname T-Huddy. I, I, I feel like, Haven, he may actually get the nickname from me. I mean, the man has been none short of outstanding. Came in with all the hype. Tyler Hudson comes in, you know, with, with, with everything. And we've had some guys come in with hype before. But this young man has been outstanding. 63 catches, 951 yards. Does only have the one touchdown. But I feel like that's more schematic just because once you get into the red zone, Malik Cunningham definitely gets... Um, the happy feet to go try to run for those scores. And of course you also have Tyon Evans and Jawar Jordan and uh, you know, just a lot of guys. Uh inside, you know, Scott likes to run the ball inside the red zone, um, which kind of leads to Hudson's lack of touchdown numbers. Um but I, I I Haven, I tell you what I'm I'm close to calling it like, oh he only needs 49 yards for a thousand. Like this dude has been outstanding. And just what the Cardinals needed with losing Tyler Harrell, uh, with losing Jordan Watkins, both of those guys to the SEC at Alabama and Ole Miss, um, uh, you know, respectively. That This guy needed to step up. And, I mean, I, I don't think Louisville could have asked more, you know, from a kid that's coming from D2. I mean, you know, like I, I, I he may actually get his nickname, Haven. Like if he goes over 1,000 yards, then he's got to be T. Huddy, right? He has been together. I mean I mean the guy's been like half man, half amazing for this team. Don't
2: think he hasn't done his score touchdown. And that's it. There's something he hasn't done. I mean, he he's been Malik's number one target literally all season long.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he's and he's, he doesn't drop balls, he doesn't drop passes. He, you know, he moves the sticks. He, you know, he he's good on first down, second down, third down. I mean, he's a possession guy. He's been he's shown the ability to take it the distance uh, when he finally did get the opportunity to catch the ball in space. So yeah, I mean, no, I, I I totally agree with you. I think that he is one of the guys that I feel going into Commonwealth. I feel like that's a guy that's going to step and perform. Like, I don't feel like what he's doing – like, he's done against everybody. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that's something that whoever is starting at quarterback, um, you know, is going to be able to rely on. And I think that's going to be kind of the biggest question for me and kind of I, – I, we're going to get into more of the X's and O's um, once we come back from bake. But I do want to ask you coming in um, – the big question, of course, for Louisville is who's going to start at quarterback. We know that Malik Cunningham is dealing with a bevy of injuries. Um, injured the game um, versus James Ma- uh, injured the hand versus James Madison, the nine throwing uh, uh, left hand. Uh, when the guy pushed him into the wall, fractured the hand, um, was wearing kind of the special soft cast against uh, Clemson a a couple weeks ago. Um, And then, of course, in that Clemson game, uh, the tough tackle at the end of the first half bruises the shoulder. Um, You know, he tried to come out in the second half and uh, never made it out. Brock Doman finished that game. Doman came back, uh, did lead the Cardinals to the victory over a, a top 24 or number 24 ranked NC State last week. Um, you know, like how important is it who starts the game like uh, like do you have just as much confidence in Brock that 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 you do in Malik like what are you looking at uh with who comes out as the starter in this game
2: so before I answer that question, I just want to give a big shout out to the male bulldogs, yes, uh, for their win for probably one of the craziest high school football games of all time last night when they beat Ballard. Big ups to Mayo. Uh, I know my daughter hates that because she goes to manual, but uh, <laughs> hey, that was an incredible game. For those who don't know, if you watch the uh, highlights on YouTube, real quick, Ballard had the game won. They stopped Mail at fourth and one. All they had to do was quarterback sneak the ball, and they go home with the 20-17 to victory. Instead, they fumble the snap. Mayo recovers, runs in for last second touchdown wins the game. So, wow, just craziness. Just bail him. Now, back to your question. Honestly, um, I, I know a lot of Cardinal fans want Brock Goldman to be that guy. And, and there's certain things I, I like about Brock's game, right? I do think he's a better passer than uh, Malik. He's, he's a better overall passer than Malik. Uh, he goes through his, his – his, uh, reads better. Uh, I think has a slightly better touch, especially on the intermediate throws, than um, – than Malik. I think he seems to feel better than Malik. But the difference is when Brock's in the game, you can kind of see the offense kind of ratchet down just a little bit. And that's only because teams have realized that Brock isn't the most mobile of quarterbacks. So they yes. tend to kind of pin their ears back and go after him. And if you can get to him and if the, if the offensive line is, isn't holding up, you can really slow down this Louisville offense. Louisville have some great running backs, uh, you know, Tyron Evans and other guys like that. They can definitely uh, handle the load. They can definitely, you know, get those tough yardage and they'll kind of blow the game open. But your offense is just that much more dynamic when you have Malik in the game, and you have to respect his ability to run. And UK, especially Stoops, traditionally has never fared well. Against mobile quarterbacks, that can break them down with the run in the pass. So I, I think Malik gives you the better chance to put up that offensive numbers and win the game. I'll have to if, if, if he's available. I would go with Malik.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I, I, you know, I I have loved all the, the the nicknames that he's been given from you know Brocktoberfest. To uh, Brock, you like a hurricane, <laughs> you know all, all those hilarious, uh, you know, that little nicknames and stuff that came up for with, you know with Brock Doman. But yeah, I I I have to agree with you that you know I really th- felt that you know Brock showed me something uh, in the Clemson game, the fact that you know with Malik out, um, Clemson didn't just run away with that game. Clemson did end up winning that game by a couple touchdowns, but Brock came out and um, you know handled himself well in that second half. I did notice that, as you said, when Clemson started to really put that pass rush down because Brock can't run the way Malik could. Louisville's um, offense definitely geared down a level. But, you know, even with that and being under tremendous pressure, Brock still came out there and made some nice throws. So I will say that, you know, if Brock is the guy today, I do feel like Louisville will still be able to, you know, move the ball. I, I do think that you're definitely going to see more three and outs and things of that nature. Um, you know, so I, I definitely think I agree with you that Malik Cunningham, if he's able to go, gives you the best opportunity for winning. Now, the question is with a bruised throwing shoulder, you would think that's going to greatly affect his ability to pass the ball like we know his legs are spectacular and a lot of times his legs have been the best Louisville offense um, but that bruised shoulder haven I can't lie to you and say that like that makes me extremely nervous because I feel like in this game ball security um, taking care of the football, not turning it over. I mean, I feel like in that game a couple of years ago in Satterfield's first year, Louisville turning the football over, uh, was a big part of that game, right? Well, that's was a huge part of that game, you know, the turnovers and then the inability to stop the
2: run, right? To get gouged over and over again by the same <laughs> dive play over the middle. It was just, it was just a killer, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But the turnovers were, were just huge because every time you, you got a little momentum, every time you kinda of see the offense kind of click and get in the rhythm, fumble, interception. So you never really could really get in that rhythm, kind of score the points, kinda of get momentum, and change the tide. By the time, you know, you kinda of got in the rhythm, it was too late. The game got away from you, the defense was gassed, and you know, there's run up and down the field on you, right? Yeah. yeah. So that, that's why, you know, so if he's not 100%, there's still some things you can do. Uh, just because his ability to run is such a big even with the bruised shoulder, a lot of screens, some crossing patterns, things of that nature. Kind of get guys open to space and let your wide receivers do the work, <laughs> let them break small plays. So a lot of things you can do with, with short throws and runs and things of that nature that I still think Malik can do even with the bruised shoulder.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. No, and I totally agree with you, and I I think that'll be one of the big things. And when we get back here uh, on Wake Up 502 with Rashawn Myers, we're going to get into kind of the X's and O's and kind of talk about some of the matchups on both ends. I want to see get Haven's thoughts on Will Levis, um, you know, what's going on with him, and much, much more. You are listening to Wake Up 502, Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back in. Gotta love it, man. You know what? Any Anytime there's a big rivalry going on, a big rivalry game going on, I, I, I always lean haven to the Rocky soundtrack to get some great tracks, to get you in the right mood, to get out there and throw some punches. You know what I mean?
2: Hey, man, look. You have to love the 80s hair music. To the, to get you going, to to, to get your blood pumping.
1: Yes, you right. Ready to get ready to go out there and throw throw a couple haymakers out there. You know what I'm saying? Take on clever Lang, uh, taking on Apollo Creed, uh, whoever's coming your way. The big Russian. You know what I'm saying? We taking them all on. <laughs> Oh, shoot. But we are back here. Wake Up 502, Big Exports Radio. Of course, if you want to get involved or you want to give your thoughts, give uh, predictions on the game, uh, you know, give us a text into the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Uh, you can also give us a call in as well at the Wake Up 502 buzz line, uh, 502-384-1450 as well. And, Haven, we kind of, before the break, talked about the fact we were going to look at some of the X's and O's. We talked about the quarterback position for Louisville. I think we're in agreement that if Malik is healthy and can keep keep from turning the ball over, he definitely gives Louisville the best opportunity uh, to win. Um, Now, on the other side, uh, the man in the middle, we we know who's going to be starting. We know it's going to be Will Levis, the guy who, you know, at some points during this season people thought was going to be the number one quarterback taken in the draft. I know that there's been some question about that um, over the last several weeks. Um, Some people saying that, you know, him showing that he can go out there every week and, you know, take the beating and still come out there and play shows that he still is the number one guy. Other people saying that, you know, well, he's not looked very good and Kentucky's offense has been pretty much crappy, uh, you know, over the last several weeks and Levis is not given him much. Um, but we do know that Will Levis's legs played a tremendous – like the man looked like, you know, I don't know, Michael Vick, Steve Young, somebody, uh, John Elway against Louisville last year, kind of birthed, The legend that was Will Levis, it seemed, came out of that Louisville game last year as he ran for three touchdowns, throwing L's down and everything else in that first matchup. Levis has not been healthy this year. He's not running nearly as much or at all. Um, And we know how big a factor that was last year. Like, what do you think about Levis coming into this matchup? You know, if Levis can't get out there and run the ball like he's done, how big of a advantage does that give Louisville? Does that give Louisville more hope? Like, where do you think Levis is heading into this game? So, I never thought Levis was like the number one quarterback that should be taken. In the draft. I'm <laughs> uh, not agreed. Sure. Like,
2: I'm I'm not sure like what people scouted, what they saw. I mean, it's like Mitch Trubisky's. Like, everybody saw how Mitch Trubisky. I'm like, dude, like, what are you guys looking at? You guys even watch college football? But anyway, I digress. Um. I think Will's a good quarterback. I think he's a very solid quarterback. Um he's you know, he he's pre mobile, he's a big guy, he likes to be he runs like a power runner, right? So he fits yes. Kentucky's um uh MO very well because he's a big, lumbering he likes to put his head down and, and bowl guys over. Unfortunately, Will Levis' Achilles heel this year is the offensive line. Kentucky's offensive line has been piss poor all year long. Has just been piss poor, and they've been abused by almost everybody. Play like even in games they win, they give up a ton of sacks. So the offensive line has really been like Will Levis's biggest enemy. Like he's, like I said, I think he's a good quarterback. He has a nice strong arm. He's pretty accurate. Kentucky has a nice group of wide receivers to throw to. It's just that one really gets time to. To get to you know to hit those guys down the field like they want to. Two, he's always running from his life, and now he's just now he just falls down because he's tired of getting hit. which I understand after the season of getting hit, you don't want to keep getting hit. Especially um, when
1: you, you know, especially when you're going to be, you know, you're projected to be that high in the draft. You definitely want to don't want to go out there and get hurt. Do you think like the, that's it playing in the back of his mind that you know I got all this money waiting on me uh, in the NFL draft. I don't want to take too many chances to get out there and run. Like, do you think that could be a part of it?
2: That's some of it, yeah. But I think it's also because he's played hurt all year. You yeah. know, I you, at the beginning of the season, he was, you know, he was the Will Levis we saw last year, right? Being a big, strong, lumbering quarterback, he would take off on runs. He would lower his shoulder and try to lower the boom on the safeties. You know, he wasn't sliding all that much. But then, as those hits started to rack up, you started to see him slide, right? Then he yeah. then he gets a couple of injuries. So then he just kinda of slows down running altogether and that has been like a big detriment to UK's offense. Like that has really slowed down Louis, I mean Kentucky's offensive attack. Now that he can't run the ball, he's no longer that threat. And he doesn't have time to throw anymore. So now yeah, you have these great receivers, but now you know, your clock instead of being, you know, five, six seconds like you have last year to throw the ball, he has like one to two seconds to throw the ball. So that, that completely changes your whole game plan. So that that porous offensive line has really retarded, I think, what UK could have done this year.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, that's a great point. And it does seem like Levis has gotten a little gunshot just because he's gotten hit so much. I, I can't remember how many hits he's taken, but he's somewhere in the 60s. Like, like I, I believe they said that he was like the most hit quarterback, you know, like in the Power Five. or It was some crazy stat, you know, to where, you know, the, based on his offensive line play, may have the the worst offensive line in the Power Five because of so many times. I know he's gotten hit or pressured like more than 60 times this year, which was far and away number one. Um, and, and I do agree with you. I think that as those hits have uh, started to compound on each other, you almost see him turtling up and going down to keep from having to take those big hits. And, I, and that, that right there is a spot where you would think with the way that Louisville's pass rush has been – playing this year, that would be a huge advantage for Louisville. Uh, you know, with the fact that Yasir Abdullah has been living in everyone's backfield. I mean, even against Clemson, Louisville's pass rush was still monstrous. Um, you know, they, they, they did a very great, uh, very good job in that game, and the defense really stepped up and has continued to step up all year long, um, you know, in terms of consistently putting a rush. It's not like Louisville's defense has only come out there and put up great sack numbers against bad competition. They've sacked everybody. Louisville leads the country in sacks. Yassir Abdullah is number one in sacks in the ACC. Um, this is a team that puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. This is a team that consistently pushes puts pressure on the quarterback. So you mix that with the fact that uh, it seems like Kentucky has maybe the worst uh, offensive line play in terms of protecting the quarterback. You would think these guys are going to feast on Levis, and if you negate those Levis. Uh, you know, rushing situations, that's got to greatly favor Louisville, I would think. Oh, it does. It does. And, and this is, you know, kind of what we
2: alluded to earlier uh, in, in the program was this is going to be the first year where it's going to be our strength against their weakness, right? Normally, UK has always held advantage in the trenches. This is the first year that we hold the advantage in the trenches, especially our defensive uh, line against the offensive line. And if you can just put a bunch of pressure on Will Levis, you can break this UK offense. I mean, you can break it.
1: And it doesn't seem like, and, and I think one of the things, and you talked about some of the talented wide receivers that Kentucky has, uh, you know, freshman Barry and Brown. Um, and uh, Dane Key have been good all year long. But I, I think that, you know, the key word there being freshmen, I think that these young guys, the, the season's a lot longer in college and the hits are a lot bigger in college than they are in high school. And, you know, we've seen that production from those guys go down um, as well over the last several weeks. And I think that has to do with the fact that they are freshmen. There's not a Wendell Robinson, you know, who was a a, a, a fourth-year junior uh, coming out there uh, and making big plays, I, I don't think Levis has that that um, you know security blanket um, that was Wondell Robinson last year, and I think that's also going to hurt as well because that's kind of been one of the other storylines where it always seemed like UK would always have a wide receiver or a guy that would just go bananas. Uh, against Louisville and could really kind of carry the water. And Wandel was that last year. I believe he had 10 catches, uh, you know, for about 150, 160 yards on Louisville last year. Um, you know, I-, I think that if you can get out there, you can be physical with those freshman wide receivers. That's something else that guys like Trey Clark, um, you know, and the rest of that secondary should be able to go out there and take advantage of. They need to be physical with these guys, don't you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, a, lot, a lot of physicality, a lot of bump and run, push them off routes, the routes, you know, the later routes, even reroute some of their routes by being physical with them. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to UK and, and watching a couple of their games, that to me the only weapon, I'm not going to say only weapon, but and I know we'll talk about this a little bit later. I'm not jumping the gun because you want to talk about wide receivers. But, one, it comes down to one that pours off of the line, not giving levers, the time to throw. Not giving him the time to pick you apart, and two, slowing down that rushing attack. You do those two things. I'm not saying we can cruise to victory, but you can make about a 90 percent chance of victory just by doing those two things.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I no, I totally agree with you. And I I thought you was gonna jump to the to to the man of the uh, the man of the hour uh, for UK. Yeah, you
3: know what? I, <laughs> I started to, but I pulled myself back. I, I noticed I, that. I pulled myself back.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah that, that, that's very good. But, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that that physicality and that aggressiveness, I think that's kind of the, you know, the reason why I say that, especially on the Louisville side, when we talk about whether it's Malik or Brock, I think the biggest thing is you don't want to turn the ball over and give U.K. a short field because if you don't, even if you have to punt, you know, I think it's one of those situations if you have to make U.K., extend drives for long you know you know they got to go 65 70 80 yards to get touchdowns even if you have to you know don't take the uh chance on throwing into double or triple coverage which we know Malik has been prone to do from time to time um you know don't take that option either take the check down or scramble for a few yards and, and punt the ball I think that's gonna be like a big key to victory like am I crazy no, you're not crazy. See, and
2: that's the great thing about this U.K. game, right? Because for us, especially for me, it all comes down to this. Like, the reason I don't want to turn the ball over is not so much giving U.K. a short field or anything of that nature. For me, it's all about the mental aspects of this game, right? Because turning the ball over gives U.K. that, that mental advantage. Like, ha, they're, they're doing it again. These are the same old Cardinals, and they and they, and they and they get that that confidence, right? That, that momentum, and, and you start to believe that, man, we're going to punk these guys out like we do every year. And that's what turnovers do for you. And yes, it's a shorter field. Yes, it's easier to score. But for me, it's more about the mental aspects of turnovers, you know, giving UK hope and letting them believe and, you know, and, and they get a the momentum that they could just run rough shot overs, right? Mm-hmm. That's what turnovers for me do. It's, it's not so much the short field, it's the mental aspect. Yeah. So for me, for Louisville, it's all about. Come out hard. Come out aggressive. Start blitzing from the tunnel, right? Just let these guys know that you're going to put as much pressure. They're going to do everything you can to knock Will Levis on his assets all (laughs) game long. And if Chris Rodriguez burns you for a 15, 20 yard run, you know what? He burns you for a 15, 20 yard run. Fine. Cool. I can live with that. But keep knocking Will Levis down because eventually they're going to get behind. And once you get behind this is like this is like by one right? Once you get behind, you get them down a couple of scores, they can't run the ball like they want to run the ball. Now they're forced to throw the ball. Then you pin your ears back, and you just feast. And you just eat, eat, eat all game ball. And to me, that's like what was game plan. That's what we should do. Just start blitzing as soon as you get out of the tunnel and hit them as many times as possible. If you get a 15 yard penalty for roughing the passer, you know what? I, I, I can live with one. I won't be upset. Uh, and if it's like three or four, then we got to talk. But, yeah, you know, but you got to let them know that, no, we're not backing down. We came to fight. So let's go.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I totally agree with you. I think that that mindset, punching the bully in the mouth, hitting him in the nose, let him know you're going to be here all day long. I think that this definitely is an attitude game. And, uh, you know, we, we planted this Rocky music. You know, that was all about, you know, Rocky had to go, go in that, that ring with Clubber and let Clever know, I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to be here all day. And once he went out there and punched the bully in the mouth, didn't even go to distance. He knocked Clever out in like three rounds. You know what I'm saying? Clever was done. And I think that's going to be uh, what Louisville has to do today, is that if you can go out there, be physical uh, at, you know, from the get-go, let them know that, A, you're not scared of them, and, B, we going to come out here and whoop your ass on this field today. I, I think that that – you know, setting that type of tone, that type of tenor is going to be huge. But you did bring up his name, and I know that you wanted to get in there and talk about him. We were talking about Chris Rodriguez, and I told you I heard a crazy stat. I believe it was on the uh, SEC Network uh, where they talked about Chris Rodriguez, and they said in about 630 or 640 career carries at the University of Kentucky, he had only been tackled for zero or tackled for a loss 24 times in over 600 carries in his UK career and I just thought that was an unbelievable stat for a guy that's had as many carries for UK as he's had and a guy who's been the featured and the name guy for Kentucky for several years to only have 24 tackles for loss playing in the SEC that's none short of just just ridiculous so I I mean I think that it just starts and ends with Chris Rodriguez right? I said, and especially this year,
2: because he's been their offense, right? Like, we watched a couple of Kentucky games where the offense does nothing. It's going nowhere. They can't get anything the pass tag going. But this guy, yet and still, finds ways to, to break out for 20, 30 yards. How he just literally just carries this U.K. offense. And it's literally, like, all on his shoulders. This man, I mean, okay, now this is uh, – you can say what you want to by Will Levis being first round pick. There's a first round draft on Kentucky's team. It should be Chris Rodriguez. I know I know running backs don't get the first round treatment. Yeah. But if there if there's first round talent on this team, it's Chris Rodriguez. If he's half man, half amazing. Like like he's gonna eat. He's gonna get his yards, right? Kentucky may lose to Vanderbilt, they may lose to Florida, some of these other schools. But Chris Rodriguez is always gonna eat. And you can live with him getting hundred yards, hundred and twenty yards, whatever. Fine, right? But if you can shut Will Levis down and just make it a one-dimensional
1: attack, oh, you got him. Yeah, yeah, oh, you got him. I agree with you. I mean, yeah, the biggest thing with Chris Rodriguez, we know he's going to get 125 yards probably, but a lot like, um, oh, uh, the who was the game? The game against uh, Anacanda? Anaconda was that the uh, Pittsburgh running back's name, I believe, or yeah. Abicanda. Uh, you know, he came into the game averaging about 100 pitch, 150. Like yards a game but Louisville made him get his 125 yards in that game but instead of it being 125 yards on 15 carries it was 125 yards on you know 28 to 30 carries and I think that's kind of what we need to see the same thing from Chris Rodriguez we want him to work for his 100 plus yards and not necessarily be able to get those big chunk plays uh, you know would that be kind of yeah, the, the game plan? two three
2: yards at a time yeah because it's like Kentucky has no choice but to run Chris Rodriguez 20 to 30 times a game. like They don't have a choice. They they, they just don't because Will Levis is not the same guy I was last year. The offensive line is nowhere near as good as it was last year, not even close. And when you guys got, uh, uh, you know, you got Sheridula, Ashen Gelati, and those guys, you know, Momo bringing that pressure, bringing those blitzes, they're going to touch up Levis. They're going to slow down that passing attack. All they have, the only thing they have left is run. You give them some run blitz and you start slowing them down. And also, Rodriguez can only get his yards at two, three yards a carry. This is a completely different game. Because, like, in these past games, even it been arm, it's been Levis' arm has really done a damage, it's Will Levis in that same damn quarterback draw he does, like, up the middle. Yeah. He killed us last year with David. He did like seven times. And every time he did it, he ran for like 15, 20 yards a pop. But now this year he's not as mobile as he was last right, year. Yeah. Right?
1: No, we, we don't see – I haven't yep. seen a, a quarterback draw from Will Levis, uh, you know, and, I, and I've been watching, you know, whether it been the Missouri game, the Vanderbilt game. Didn't watch much of the Georgia game just because, you know, that <laughs> the, yeah. the, the die was already cast. But, uh, you know, it, I haven't seen much of any of that quarterback run game from Will Levis at all. And it does seem like Kentucky is really protecting Levis' uh, – you know – uh, multiple injuries and bruises and bumps that he's had. So yeah, I, you know, you would think that it's going to be Rodriguez left, Rodriguez right, Rodriguez up the middle, and then Cavassier smoke when it all you know when they have to put him out there because uh, Cavassier has not been um, very effective at all uh, this year. The other running backs, back just year, in yeah. general.
2: Well, and, and, and that just lets you know with, and you know, Cavassier smoke not being a running back we thought he was. A lot of that has to do with, like, the offensive line, right? Not giving him.
1: He needs actual blocking. Yes, (laughs) he needs blocking to get where he needs to go. You know, I, I, I think that's a that's a big difference between Cavasier. Uh, I mean, Chris Rodriguez doesn't need – for a guy who's a big running back, and I totally agree with you on that, Haven. Like, for a guy that's a big running back, he is very, very nimble uh, in the backfield. So where Cavasier needs those blockers uh, to get it done, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like Chris Rodriguez needs nearly as much help. Just to kind of give you guys an idea, you know, when you talk about Chris uh, – uh, Chris Rodriguez, he has 151 carries. and Rodriguez missed, what, the first four games of the year, Haven? Yeah, he was suspended. He missed the first four games of the year. And still at this point in the season, coming into the 12th game of the year, Chris Rodriguez has 151 carries. Can you guess how many the number two guy in Kavashi Smoke has? At 30. 58 carries. There's almost a 100 carries difference. <laughs> between those two, even though Chris Rodriguez missed the first four games of the year. Like, that's unbelievable (laughs) that, you know, I mean, the workload that this young man has taken since he's gotten back. And that also just kind of lets you know the the lack of um, effectiveness that those other running backs have given Kentucky. So, I mean, it's definitely going to come down to what uh, Chris Rodriguez can do. But, I mean, 151 yards and 784 uh, rush yards. Um, you know, in just that short amount of time is nothing short of amazing. So I I totally agree with you. If there's one guy to get drafted, you know, if the uh, Baltimore Ravens are looking to replace Gus Edwards because Gus has been hurt the last couple years, Uh, I would love to see them try to steal Chris Rodriguez in the second round of the draft. I'm just going to say that off top. (laughs) But I tell you what, Haven, we're going to go ahead, hit this. We're coming up on the top of the hour. um, You know, of course, Leanne will be in um, at the bottom of next hour at uh, 1030 to to go through picks. So we'll give you guys our picks on the UK U of L game then. But when we come back, I want to get Haven's thoughts on the Maui massacre. We're going to talk a little bit about Kenny Payne. Uh, this local basketball team. So you are listening to Wake Up Five Hundred Two. Rashawn Myers, hey, Mayor, to taking care of your big exports, radio, and we'll be back. Back in hour number two, Big X Sports Radio, Wake Up 502 with Rashawn Myers. We're taking care of you here, 96.1 FM, WXVW. Uh, no easy way out. I think that goes for both the football and basketball program. There's no easy way out. There's only through. Uh, that's it. But before we get right back into it and I jump on here and discuss a little basketball here, so I want to remind everybody, make sure you guys come out today. You can come out, watch the game with us. We're going to have another great game watch party um, out at 1481 South Shelby Street. 21st in Germantown is going to be going down there uh, from four to six. Uh, so we'll be there with you uh, watching the game talking about everything that is the Governor's Cup, breaking it down live for you. Um, uh, We'll we'll be there. We'll be talking about the game, uh, great food and drink specials, um, an amazing, amazing uh, menu there. Um, I always say, you know, for a place that's, you know, more built around, you know, the livations and the entertainment fun, um, you know, what you would consider a bar atmosphere, some of the best food. Uh, that you can find in the city. It's not good for bar food. It's just good for any restaurant in the city in general. And I do also want to remind everybody um, if you're going out there, you're looking to get a loan to, to purchase a new home, uh, broker house lending, Sheena S. Beckham, loan officer. Check her out. Give her a call 502-220- 7678. Um, know, she can get you together. She can get you into a home um, if you need to you know, figure out some, some credit repair things to help get you ready to get into your next home. She can do that as well. Again, Sheena S. Beckham, 502-220-7678. But Haven, um, you know, getting back into it, man. uh, You know, we talk about no easy way out. And there was no easy way out um, of Maui. (laughs) for the University of Louisville basketball team, Kenny Payne and crew, uh, went over there. We discussed the fact that the likelihood um, was that they were going to go 0-3 out there in Maui, especially given that they were heading over there at 0-3 after dropping their first three at home. Um, Kenny Payne's in a tough spot right now. It seems like the eyes of the nation um, have started to turn to him, uh, and things have not – I don't know how much better – things have gotten uh, since they went over there, but they're in a rough spot right now.
2: Man, since the has it's been beyond, it's, it's beyond a rough spotlight. So here's the thing. Like, we knew that he would struggle, that, that the team would struggle over there, right? Because, you know, you're going against very athletic, you know, top 25 competition. Yeah. And, and since you struggled against your D2 competition, and your low-level B1 competition, mm-hmm. yeah, there's pretty good the likelihood that you was going to struggle mightily against top 25 competition. So, you know, the odds of winning were kind of low. But like what you wanted to see, though, was the steady improvement. Because one thing that you know, we have seen from this Cardinal team uh, up until the last game before they left was steady improvement, right? They got better.
1: Yes. You can
2: see them get better. You can see them run sets. And
3: even in Maui,
2: right? Like, you can see them in the first half look like a much better team. Running sets, uh, you know, you got to see some intensity on defense that you haven't seen, you know, for the better part of the season. Uh, you know, they're getting turnovers, they're being competitive, they're running up and down the court, they're hustling, you know, they're doing the things that you might be like, okay, okay, you know, they may lose this game, but I'm, I can see effort, you know, I, I can see them, you know, trying different things. So, you know, you kind of got a good spot in your heart, in your heart, like the first half of the game. And then the second half happens, And it's like, who are these dudes? Like, who are these masked men? You know, because they come out and it's like, did you guys just get everything you did the first 20 minutes? It's, it's, that was happening. And then they would just, like, lose all composure. And they may play a good three or four minutes they have, and then, like, forgot got to play basketball again and get routed. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, and, no, you know
1: it's one of those things. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I, 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 totally agree with you. I mean, it, it just it one of those things where it was like two, you know, uh, three, uh, one step forward, two steps back. You know, it was it was just kind of one of those things where they really couldn't get any consistency. Um, you know, while they were over there, and to that point, I believe they said Louisville. When you talk about points combined total points lost by, um, you know, I- by a Division One Power Five team. Uh, they said that Louisville had the second most. They lost by a total of 77 points in their games. And, but, you know, to your point, you know, that they, they got beat by Arkansas. They lost that game by 26 points. Uh, they came back and just got absolutely boat raced um, in the second game by Texas Tech uh 70 to 38 but you thought that the Cincinnati game that was a team where the uh, Cincinnati who had gotten blown out uh in their previous game and you thought okay well maybe this should at least be a competitive game you well they end up losing that me, game by 19 yeah
2: it's you know, it's like you actually told me the Cincinnati game that this was the one they would probably win
1: yeah and that, that was the barometer game to see exactly how Cincinnati. where they were yeah you know and and unfortunately in that game they end up just Absolutely quitting in the second half, and, and I think that was where um, it, it makes you nervous because they really did not. It just seemed like as soon as they faced any adversity, they just basically packed up and went home. Um, and, and I tell you what, we we actually have a call in uh, to the Wake Up Five Hundred Two Buzz Line Three Eight Four Fourteen Fifty. We got our buzz, J, uh, our buddy Jay has on the line. Jay, how you doing this morning? Man, I'm doing fine,
3: guys. How y'all doing, Haven? Doing good, Jay. So Man, let me just let me just tell you this guys. Happy and belated Thanksgiving to you guys. Hope you had
1: a great one. Thank you, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And what, 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 so what are you gonna jump on first, Jay? Basketball or football? What you got for me?
3: Let, let me get on this basketball. So I I I got some I'm gonna tell you I, I got something to tell you guys in person when I see you guys. I I got from a high authority two days ago. Okay, okay. From a from a higher source. But anyway Let's talk. I just wanted to say this real quick. Louisville had a chance of vacationing for Thanksgiving weekend at Hawaii and didn't succeed very well. They lost three games straight and they are actually 0 and 6 going into the season. And it's not looking good for the University of Louisville. Everybody from national to local sports is on the reason what is going on with Louisville basketball program. Yeah, and I, I'm listening to it, hearing it. And I'm like, it's it's embarrassing. It's sad. Um, I'm 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 sad for the fans and the people who patronize it. Uh, it's just I I just don't. I'm I'm just belittled, man. I don't know really what to really say, man. I'm like, I wish guys get this stuff together. Who knows? But I'm hearing some late breaking news that uh, I'm gonna share with you guys later today. Well, I see you personally, like I said earlier. But, uh, Rashawn Manor Haven, I don't know what to say about this program, basketball program.
1: I mean, Louisville's in a tough spot, man. Like, it, it, it is it is rough. We knew, you know, everybody kept talking about, well, they could easily, you know, have won a game or two, but they ended up losing the three games by one point um, at home and kind of hung their head that, you know or hung their hat on the fact that, well, they barely lost those games, so maybe they'll come over to Maui and do something, uh, you know. But, you know, like I said, that Cincinnati game just worries me because um, it's a game where what we've saw from this Louisville program, because uh, you know we saw where in the first half of these games they they seemed to at some points actually look pretty good. Like people were encouraged by the first half against Arkansas. It seemed like Louisville was in there punching. Um, you know they were holding their own on the backboards, and then we saw it kind of get away from them in the second half. The Texas Tech game was, in my opinion, a, a horrible matchup. It was even worse matchup. Uh, then the Arkansas game, and it played out on the court. like uh, uh, th- That Texas Tech team defensively was just too tough, and they were able to just kind of dominate a little from start to finish. I pretty much saw that one coming in. Um, but the thing that worried me, Jay, about that Cincinnati game is just that as soon as it started getting tough, they didn't even try. You know, it was kind of like, well, this isn't going well, so we're just not even going to do anything. You're not even fighting back. And that kind of worries me because, um, you know, it. I don't know if it's conditioning. I don't know if these guys are tired, um, but they aren't willing to fight. It seems like they're feeling sorry for themselves. And if that starts happening already, and we're only six games into the season, um, it's going to be tough to win any games. I mean, they're coming back next week. Uh and next Tuesday they face a Maryland team who's undefeated, who's uh, know. you know, bullying everybody. I don't think that's gonna be a very easy game. So with, you know, Maryland on the schedule, Miami coming up, then they gotta go on the road at Florida State, fellas. I don't know when that first hmm. win's gonna come.
3: Well, I watched Florida State though, right? Those are the worst two teams in ACC is Florida State and Louisville. Yep. And I told you the other day, Rashawn, that Florida High State has a damn year right now. And a couple people that's injured as well, too. But uh, I just want to switch real quick uh-huh. to the uh, football. The Governor's Cup is happening yeah. today at Kroger Field at 3 o'clock. It on SEC Network. Uh, can Louisville win the Governor's Cup? We don't know. Kentucky pull it out. We have no clue. But if Malik Williams does play, does play or doesn't play, it's not going to happen for Louisville. But I will hope that Louisville will win an 8-4 season to set them up with a nice, bigger bowl. And they come out with the victor with
1: the government's cup this afternoon. Okay. Uh, so who are you who are you picking, Jay? Who who, who you uh what do you think's gonna happen? I got Louisville of about thirteen. Oh, really? Okay. So you think they're gonna handle business today? Business. Okay,
3: okay. So you That's- know how you know how we right. you know how we hear the press comments with ain't We
1: they know Carla Park like a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> to the roof. <laughs> To the wall. <laughs> to the room. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they know how to party. One, hey, they get this one today. J.J., they're going to be partying down there at Kroger Field. Oh, man, you already know. But listen, Sean,
3: on, on today's uh, podcast, ladies and gentlemen, 96.1, listen, I'm giving away a 40-pound turkey. Butterball.
1: On the podcast,
3: what, what is from four to six today?
1: Yes, sir, four to six at 1481 South Shelby Street, uh, 21st in Germantown.
3: I'm giving away a fat, juicy turkey to somebody. Didn't celebrate holidays, or whatever. I'm going to bless somebody today
1: on the podcast. Okay, so if they come out, if they come out to the podcast today, uh, yeah, they can uh, they can get their turkey, huh? Oh Lord, have mercy! Yeah, <laughs> get ready for Christmas dinner. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Rashawn hey, is always a pleasure. 96-1 is
3: the only way to go in sports.
1: There it is. I like it, Jay. Appreciate your call, brother. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> hey, so, you know, I know this this uh, basketball team, Jay, I I you know, Haven, I, I feel his pain. Like that game, I can't lie to you, Haven. I was very discouraged by that Cincinnati game. I know if you listen to some places, you know, let's just call them the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, – the the uh, you know the the fox news version of cardinal uh sports you know they want to talk about well they like what they saw in the first half and let's just ignore the second half of the games yeah I, unfortunately college but basketball is a 40 minute game so the echo chamber doesn't want to necessarily discuss the whole game they're trying to get you excited about 20 minutes of basketball which i don't know what that I mean. means so, so like, so, like to me, like, 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 here's the thing about Cincinnati. One,
2: this was a game, like I said before, that you actually thought Boone was actually going to win. Oh, or at least, be, comp- I, oh, at least be
1: competitive. At least be competitive.
2: And they were very Like the first quarter, first half, super competitive, right? The It went back and forth, back and forth, lead changes. You know, there's a very competitive game against, let's be honest, a bad Cincinnati team. A Cincinnati team that before they went to the Maui Classic lost, to Northern Kentucky, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people forget this is a team that lost to Northern Kentucky. So once again, we're put in predicament where we are being hyper-competitive in the first half against a very bad team. Yeah. You know, it's like a team that everybody else is blowing out, we're like nip and tuck with, which doesn't bode well for the rest of the season at all. Because if you are nip and tuck with Cincinnati, like if you are nip and tuck with Bellarmine, what does that mean when you play North Carolina, Duke, uh, Clemson you know, any other team in ACC except for maybe Florida State, which is god awful, but what well hell, so are we. So it's just like, man.
1: Yeah, I mean right it, it now doesn't, it doesn't give me hope. Right now, Haven, Kim Palm has uh Louisville projected to win somewhere between five and seven games this year. Like five and seven games. I mean that's that, that is that is a, a – and, you know, we've been talking about it. I mean, this is – since I saw Louisville go out there, and the, truthfully since the second um, exhibition game, like once they didn't go out there and just blow the doors off Chaminade and they almost lost that game, like, you know, I, I, I pretty much was like, this team ain't going to win more than five, six games all year if that's the best that they can do. Because right now they're playing at a, you know, Division two level. A low level D2. Yeah. A
2: low level D2 level. And that, here's the thing, right? So I'm, I'm I'm gonna just get it out there and just say because I know everybody thinks we hate Kenny Payne, which we don't because we we said I said I know I said several times that he's gonna struggle right. There's gonna be some things as a first year coach he's gonna struggle with, and I thought those things would be clock management, uh, you know, when to call timeouts, you know, things of that nature because it's the first time they coach man. You gotta there's a lot on your plate. A whole lot in your play because you know, you're not just coaching; you also running an entire program. Yeah. So you know, I, I get there'll be some some learning issues. There'll be some you know some on-the-job training type things that would take a while for him to get accustomed to. Now, one thing I didn't expect, and you know, I'll be honest: at the beginning of the season, I thought we may win. I was thinking anywhere between ten to fifteen games. Yeah. That we were probably under five hundred. And we, and, we, and we probably would not make the tournament. That's what I was thinking. And that was solely because, not, to, not because we lacked talent. This was because we lacked guard play, and college basketball is a guard's game. So that's what, so that's what I based everything going. You only had one true guard, and, you know, you had a, everybody else pretty much walk-on, except for Fabio. But everybody else is pretty much a walk-on. So I, I didn't expect much of the guard play. I
1: thought we would struggle mightily, but not like this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I
2: don't think anybody saw this coming.
1: I mean, I, I feel like we we are holding Kenny Payne to the same uh, standard that we held Scott Satterfield to. You know, we always said about Scott Satterfield, you have eight and four talent. So I expect for this Louisville team to be eight and four or better. That's what we said coming into the season. Not predicting that he would get there, but we knew that this team was good enough to be eight eight and four or better. And right now they're sitting at seven seven and four, having given up and lost two games they should have won. So I, I feel like we were, you know, right on and spot on with our analysis of them. And I say with Kenny Payne, with this team, even with the um, lack of talent or lack of depth at the guard position, this is a team that should have a bubble team this is a team that should have won 16 to 18 games um you know and should be on the bubble for the ncaa tournament now like you said because kenny is a first-time head coach let's drop that down to maybe 14 to 16 games and say okay well we're gonna give you drop you a few games because there's gonna be some hiccups because you're a first-time head coach and things that nature but this should be a, a team that should win you know 13 14 15 games easily with the amount of talent that they have on the team. So to go out there and lose to two, you know, what one DV, D2 team, almost lose to a second, then lose to three low major teams at home. You know, you're not even being competitive. And that comes down to bad coaching. Like I've heard so much Haven about, you know, the roster, the roster, Kenny Payne wasn't left with anything. It's the dark, the, roster. the dark cloud. It's just, it's just, here's the thing. Here's the thing
2: when it comes to roster, right? Yeah. And people say that we just have talent. We have talent. There's plenty of talent on the roster. Like, when we was playing Lenoir-Rhyne and all those other schools. Yeah, Appalachian we State, Wright had, State, Bellarmine. Yeah. We had the height advantage. Appalachian State, we may not have had the height advantage as much, but Wright State, uh, uh, lenoir Ryan, Bellarmine, we had a significant height advantage. But yet, we lost the points on paint and the rebounding advantage in all those games, that should never have happened. Yeah. I mean, you got like about four or five dudes to the six six out there. We're going to Ryan's tall; who's was like six four. I mean, how how you can out rebound it and out score points the and no Ryan? Yeah, I I
0: mean, mean, how
2: does sit go from being a beast one year to to being a beauty or whatever he is now? Well I, 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 <laughs> an analogy. Probably go from being a beast one year to being a dud this year?
1: No. No, the men's a down factor. How's that happen? That's bad. All right, to me, Haven, and like I've always said, you know, the biggest thing that I look at, the difference between whether a specific player is having a down year or whether there's uh, bigger issues. There's systemic issues. There's coaching issues. Is because if you look at everybody's production on the team, and we talked about this with Chris Max team last year, I said the reason where why I said that there was a coaching issue with Max team because we heard the same thing with Max team. Well, Louisville just doesn't have any talent. These transfers just aren't as good as they as they were. You know, the reputations coming in. And I said, you know, you want to be careful of that because I said when you look across the board and every player, regardless of whether it was a transfer or whether it was a returning player for Louisville. When everybody's numbers look worse, when everybody's shooting numbers are worse, where the team overall numbers are just much worse than the year before in pretty much every category, then that speaks to a coaching issue or a lack of coaching we saw issue. The
2: football team,
1: yeah, we absolutely. saw Bobby's last year when
2: the team quit on Bobby and Bobby quit on the team. We saw what happen. These guys give up fifty points a game because
1: nobody cared. Yeah, we saw it happen. We've and, seen like we've seen this before. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean that's that's what we see with this team this year because even as badly coached and as you know much of a clown show as it was last year uh, with the coaching staff, this co- team this year is being coached worse because all those numbers, as bad as they were last year, have gone down this year for pretty much they everybody better, across the board. Like they play better under under Pegues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a coaching issue. I mean, and that's the thing that nobody wants that. Anybody who's a proponent of Kenny Payne, and I don't have an issue with Kenny Payne, but when you can't come out there and admit the fact that the coaching has not been good. In fact, the coaching has been terrible. This team is not prepared. This team has no toughness. And I don't know if it goes back to how, how the, these guys got prepared in the offseason, and that's the issue. But, you know, whatever the, the case may be, they were not prepared in the simplest to where they can even go out in the game and punch back and forth. Like I said, a basketball game is like a boxing match. We had the Rocky theme this morning. You're going to take punches. You're going to take hits. But you have to continue to engage in the fight. And these guys don't even want to fight. They don't even want to okay. swing. Or at least just play hard. I mean, just play hard for forty minutes. Yes. Somebody outside of uh, now. Here's the thing, and,
2: and this is something that we've talked about before. that I, I haven't said on air, but I talked to you about it like several times. Was when I went to Louisville Live, and I and I talked about the dunk contest, right? And I talked about the three point shooting contest. I looked like the teams was just going through the motions. and Nobody really cared. Granted, it, it, you know, it's just Louisville Live, right? It's it's, it's just an exhibition. It's just a show. So you know, I get it. But when it comes to dunk contest, and I told you this, the only person who was even trying to dunk was L. Ellis, right? Yeah. He was the only person out there trying to jump, trying to do anything different. And everybody else was just kind of going through the motions, hee-hee-haw-hawing. That's exactly how they're playing, right? It's L. Ellis trying to put the whole team on his back. And it's like, I'm going to turn the ball over. Yeah, granted, but you, have to live. but you know what? You have to live with eight, nine turnovers. So you can't get mad at him. Yeah, because he's got to do everything. Get mad at him. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, you should get mad at for eight, nine turnovers. That's like way too many turnovers, but. He has, to, he has to bring the ball to the court. He to take the offense. He's the only guy dribbling and driving to the, to the hoop. I mean, it's like the man pretty much does everything. He's going to, you know, how he plays 40 minutes this entire time. Mean, he's played literally almost every minute in every game.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's definitely – and you know what, truthfully? Like, he's been the one guy who's looked to be in the best condition. Even though he's been playing that many minutes, he still looks like he has more in the tank than most anybody else on the team, which is crazy to me. Like, L looks to be in in tremendous condition. He's been a guy who's been able to, you know, against the the better judgment of what should happen in the game. He's taken some ill-advised shots and had a lot of turnovers because of it. But he seems like he's the only guy that's really trying out there. You know, so, I mean, I definitely can't put it on him. But to to say the least, Haven, this Louisville team has a lot – a lot to do. And coming back home, I get worried because Kevin Willard is bringing those Maryland Terrapins in there. And uh, needless to say, him being a Rick Pitino uh, protege, I don't feel like they're going to be pulling any punches. What do you think? Man,
2: with him being a Rick Pitino protege and Kenny Payne being a Denny Crum protege, how much Rick didn't like Denny's crew. <laughs> Hell no.
0: But <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: it's sad about is like. <throat> <laughs> You know, there's like seven stages of grief, right? Have we already reached the apathetic stage in the fan base where the fan base is kind of like, yeah, okay, we're, it is what it is.
1: Six games when you in. Call stuff? That's sad. Six
2: games in, That's That's a record.
1: Yeah, that's unbelievable. Well, hey, I tell you what, we're going to have Leanne Leanne Herring coming in on the other side Haven. We're going to get Leanne's picks. We're going to talk about these college football matchups. We're going to talk about this UFL uk Governors' Cup game and much, much more. You are listening to Wake Up 502, Big X Sports Radio, and we'll be back on WXVW. We can know how we feel
0: Still going down in this not knowing if we did it all something's over.
1: Welcome back to Wake Up Five Hundred and Two, and y'all know what time it is. It's time for us to bring in our favorite person here, friend of the Wake Up Five Hundred and Two crew and main event sports show, Leanne Herring. Leanne, how you doing this morning, ma'am?
4: Doing good, doing good. Week thirteen, closing out the season, the regular season. I can't believe it, Rashawn. We're we're finally here, finally here, and man. Like I said before, we went on air. I'm glad to be talking some some games, big games going on this week, and not talking coaching Carroll specifically, Lane Kiffin and Auburn and Ole Miss. So I'm glad i kind of almost shut down. We can actually get back to talking some real football now.
1: I know the Lane train is looks like he's going to be staying there at, at Ole Miss. Like, what was the reaction? Because it seemed like you know I saw a report earlier this or I don't know if it was earlier this week or late last week where it sounded like Lane was you know maybe leaning toward heading to Auburn and becoming the Auburn head coach. But then, you know, it came out that Lane uh, spoke with one of the uh, reporters down there and said, yeah, pretty much doesn't look like he's going anywhere. What's been, uh, you know, kind of the pulse down there?
4: It's just been really – really difficult because of fan base. You know, I think the players have handled it really well. Uh, Coach, Coach Kiff and his handled it really well, but you can see the clear frustration, and I can, uh, you know, even being a part of the media, you've seen it too, Rashawn, you know, media, uh, some media can be really quickly to spin, and I think that's just oh, yeah. kind of what happened. It got out of control, and, and I think Lane wasn't, it's not the fact he didn't want to address the rumors, or he didn't want to shut down the noise. He was more focused on, on trying to keep his players not distracted and focused on the game plan, and as we can see how things turned out Thursday night, uh, Uh, Was a close one, but unfortunately, you know, the distractions uh, and a lot of key things on the last on the last moments of that game, you know, did not end in Ole Miss favor. But I think the good thing out of this is, you know, um, fans are kind of. I think it's more the fans the uh, being. Kind of upset the way that he they think that he handled it, but at the end of the day, you know, Coach Kiffin and, and that he's got to control his team, he's got to control his players, and and you know it's business at the end of the day. So it Absolutely. just kind of I'm just kind of glad it's it's kind of died down, and we'll see what happens. Auburn is set to make an official announcement. Uh, we're hearing Hugh he Freeze, but you know I think a lot of the focus was on the idea of all the money that Auburn can throw. But like I've been talking with a lot of recruits, coaches, families, and things. With like now, you know, it's not Lane Kiffin at this point is is very settled as a coach. You know, I can't. Speak obviously what what goes on the daily mind of Lane Kiffin, but obviously it's a lot because he has a lot to think about. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, people were talking about Dion possibly going there, but we see Dion possibly going to Colorado or other places. So it's clear that the coaching job is not just about money. There's a lot of other factors. We see it all the time, and I and I put it this closely, saying that you know you can take a five star coach, you can take a five star player like Lane Kiffin, and you can go put him and give him a ton of money and kind of things. But if the if Texas, if Texas A M are not examples of money can't money can't buy love but it can buy affection and that's kind of how I feel with the Auburn job is with Lane Kiffin you know you can take a great coach like Lane Kiffin give him all the money in the world but with the Auburn base and what a lot of fan bases have to realize that that's not the sole factor that's going to make your program excel
1: yeah no I I, I totally agree with you and it looks like Lane Train's going to be staying in the station there at Ole Miss so Uh, You know, that's definitely, even with the loss, that's got to be a a win for the program to hold on uh, to your head coach. But let's go ahead and hop right into it. Of course, uh, we're going to be picking the games, and we always like to start with the locals first just to give them, uh, you know, give them their due time and and make sure that we get that uh, taken care of. Of course, we we, uh, take a look at the season sportsbook lines. um, They're available on ESPN.com. Of course, the Cardinals heading on the road, Governor's Cup game big rivalry game, the Cardinals versus the Cats, the Red versus the Blue. Leanne, what are you thinking in this one? I show UK, of course, is the three-point favorite, which basically means it'd be a pick on a neutral field, over and under of uh, 42.5. Uh, what are you thinking in this one?
4: Ben, this is a really slim margin. And you know how I feel about the Kentucky program, loyal and true. But let's get to it. When you're talking about, you know, what team's going to show up here, you know Kentucky was real hot at the beginning of the season, but again, after that old Miss game, they kind of just slumped, and they just haven't really, their their ground game hasn't really established, and they really haven't even even been able to fire off that offense, you know, with Levis and then Chris Rodriguez coming back. You still that hasn't changed. Now, give it to the Kentucky defense the last couple games and everything. They've really been able to, that's really what has been the heart and soul of Kentucky, being able to keep Kentucky in some of those games. It's been that Kentucky defense, and their secondary has improved. Now, Louisville, on the other hand, started out real rocky. We weren't for sure what's going on, but, you know, Satterfield, they've managed to change things around, so I like Louisville in this game. I like Louisville to, like Louisville to pull the upset on the road in Lexington, and that's hard for me to say because of how <laughs> Kentucky's going. I think Kentucky just has a lot of weapons, but honestly, I think Louisville's just going to come in hot in this one. I think they're just playing better ball, and like they say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and I think Louisville's going to finish strong in the road, so I'm going to take Louisville on the points on this one. I think Louisville's going to get it done. Their, their defense, you know, and just a lot of factors have been clicking. They have, real, you know, um, I'm not sure if uh, they said about Malik Cunningham, but I think at the end of the day, we saw what, what a job Louisville did without having Malik Cunningham. So if he's able yep. to play at the game, I still think that they're going to be able to bring out a, a good, solid game package. I mean, look, nobody's talking about those Louisville running backs he got in Evans uh, back there and, and that other guy. You know, I, I can't, yeah, I can't think of the name right now. Yeah, I wrote it down. Jordan. Exactly. Yeah, and and they're doing a really sensational job. So, like we said, we saw what Louisville can do. They can adapt and adjust with life without Malik Cunningham. So, if Malik Cunningham is a game, you know, game situation, and he does return today, um, that'll just be more, you know, no, you know, more uh, icing on the cake for that Louisville offense. So, I, I like Louisville today on the road. I think that you know, Kentucky. They have the talent. That's the disappointing thing. They have the talent there. But the play calling and everything as of late just hasn't been consistent. And that Kentucky offense just has so much talent. in Will Levis with Rodriguez and that backfield. But they just haven't been able to click. And at the end of the day, when you're so late in the season and you're tired and you're worn out, and we can definitely say that Kentucky, that Kentucky, they're worn out and their lines just haven't been been doing what they need to do to be able to get that production going, um, it's just I don't think it's going to be enough today. Uh, but I could, like I said, I think Louisville comes in strong and they finish strong on this one.
1: I, I like it, Haven hey, Harrington. What you thinking, sir? I think we end's right on point, man. I've been saying it all
2: all, uh, all show long, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go Louisville. Uh, I may not go as high as 13 like Jerry, but I'm gonna say Louisville and 10.
1: Okay. Okay. So Louisville gets the win. Um, I tell you what. Uh, earlier in the uh, earlier in the week, and even last week, um, I came into this game saying that you know I I, I want to pick Louisville. Everything tells me that I should pick Louisville. Um, but you know, fool me once, uh, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, you know, and. and Looking at everything, everything tells me that Louisville should win this game. Uh, Will Levis just doesn't seem to have the confidence. Um, just taking all those hits this year has really started to uh, mount up against him. And and I agree with you. It's all about Chris Rodriguez and what he's able to do. Uh, and I've been back and forth on the fence. <laughs> I, I I tell you what, I'm going to say I think Louisville does get it done. I really do. I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be a three-point game. Uh, I think Cardinals maybe gets it with a field goal um, just because I do think that Kentucky will be up for it in a rivalry. But I didn't think I was going to pick Louisville this week, but I'm going to say go ahead. Give me the cards. I'll agree with you guys. Uh, it'll be three up and three down for the Cardinals to get it done, but it's going to be close. But I agree with you, Leanne. Jawar Jordan was an outstanding last Week and now I've heard they're going to get Tyon Evans back for this game. Malik Cunningham, you're going to have to cut his legs off to take him. In. He's not beaten Kentucky yet this year. I have, or this uh, in his career, he's going to want this game. He's going to want to go out on top. So I think that you he's going to
4: definitely play today. Yeah, exactly, and I think Louisville just has a lot of momentum, and I think the biggest key factor is we saw how Louisville rebounded. They adapted and adjusted without their star guy, Malik Cunningham. So if Louisville can do that without Malik Cunningham, and they can get that kind of game package and have that strong play call, and like I said, it's going to be a close one. I think uh, the under was at one point at like 46, over under now it's at 43. I think it's going to be a low score score a game unless Kentucky or Louisville just finds a way to get it out of hand I think that they're going to play it safe because they're going to try to feel each other out but yeah I just think that there's too much momentum coming in with Louisville and like I said I like the way that they adapt and adjusted without having Malik Cunningham I, and, it,
1: and it showed last week. No, I I totally agree with you. So we're all in agreement taking Louisville in, in the Governor's Cup showdown, and that would be music to the ears of uh, the Card Nation faithful. But uh, I tell you what, in this one, we're going to go uh, to one of the big matchups, one of the historic rivalries of all college football, Michigan-Ohio State. The Wolverines traveling uh, to the Buckeyes there in Columbus, 11-0 and versus 11-0. and uh, we've seen this movie before. Um, you know, What do you think about the Wolverines' chances? Ohio State is an eight-point favorite at home with an over-and-under of 56. Uh, what are you thinking in this one?
4: Man, this is going to be this game is a huge game, not just for for obviously the rival reasons, but for the playoff implications here. I mean, this is a do or die for for Michigan or Ohio. I really think whoever whoever goes home sad today isn't going to get a chance to the playoffs. They're playing for more than just a rivalry; they're playing for a chance to keep it, you know, keep it with the playoffs. I'm going to take Michigan in this one. I just feel you know Blake Horm is questionable again to see if he's going to be playing in this game. It's a it's another game situation kind of thing. Um, but I just like the way Michigan's Michigan the fight that have been playing uh they've had a little bit of a dry spell obviously without blake quorum there but the de- but i mean you're talking about two defenses uh that have really hung and kept ohio state and michigan in these undefeated season ohio state of course you, you can't um You can't ignore what they're going to do. Their defense and what C.J. Stroud has done on offense—he's been able. But they're going to have to. What the key is for Ohio State is they're going to have to find it. They're going to have to really use their defense to find holes in in that Michigan State offense, which is which is going to be difficult. You know, um, which is not going to be an easy thing. But like I said, if they get Blake Quorum back, that could give some momentum to Michigan. But I'm going to take Michigan. I I like Michigan on the road here. Um, I feel like Michigan's going to come out gritty. And like I said, we can sit here all day, Rashawn and Haven, and break down. You know. the stats and all that, but when you're in these rivalry games, what you're playing for is a lot more. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, the stats go out the window. You could have played a hell of a game last week, and you can come in here, new opponent, new and play totally different. But so, I like Michigan in this one. I, I feel like Michigan's got that fight, regardless of Lake Quorum is. I think that this is going to be a defensive showdown. Which defense can stop the run? Which defense can can hold it down? And then this is going to be a game of defenses, which is weird to say when you're talking about the, you know, when you're talking about this conference. So um, I'm going to go with Michigan. I'm going to go with Michigan on the road. I just feel like they're going to be gritty. I just feel like Michigan's going to cover on this one. Um, so I'm going to take Michigan on this one, hands down.
1: Okay, okay, Haven. What are you thinking? Uh, Ohio State minus eight at home. I think I, I agree wholeheartedly
2: with Leanne. I believe Michigan's going to come out gritty. They're going to have that fight, that fire. I think they're going to take it to Ohio State, especially in the first half. I would not be surprised if uh, Michigan <clears throat> takes the lead at halftime. We probably going into the uh, the fourth quarter. But I think Ohio State's going to pull it out in the end. Maybe not by eight, probably around two or three, because Ohio State's been playing all the games kind of close, but they always have found a way to pull it out in the end. I think they do it again against Michigan. Now, I was always a big Harbaugh fan when he first got hired. Now, I'm off the Harbaugh bus, and – uh I think Dave's going to get it
1: done, but barely. Okay, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I I have watched this game, and, and, you know, Ohio State is a team that, to me, they're a lot like Georgia, and they've been a lot like Georgia this year where it seems like they tend to – sit around and play a little complacent like because I feel like they just they feel like they're just better than their opposition so it's kind of led them to some slow starts and to kind of let some teams hang around but then when they get pushed um, they've been outstanding I tell you what Marvin Harrison jr. we talked about how great a season Tyler Hudson's had 63 catches 951 yards uh, Marvin Harrison jr. 65 catches for 1037 yards uh, but 11 touchdowns being the big difference between him and Hudson but that speaks to a how good Hudson's been this year because people B- consider Marvin Harrison Jr. to be the best wide receiver in college football right now. Um, So, uh, just an outstanding player. I I really feel like Ohio State at home, they're going to come out motivated to actually play hard for four quarters and I do think that because of that um, I think the Buckeyes actually get it done. I think they cover the eight and I think they get it done. Michigan worries me because they are so dependent on that running game and on Corum to kind of keep them in games. Their passing game has been very, very erratic Um, so I do like Ohio State to get it done. I just don't know if Michigan can keep up the scoring. I think Ohio State can get this game into the 30s, um, You know, whereas I just don't know if Michigan has that much offense Um, so I'm gonna say you know what give me the Buckeyes I'll lay the eight points and I think they get it done um, you know uh, to today so so go ahead and give me Ohio State in that one um, I tell you what, the next one, uh, we're going to go to the Iron Bowl. Um, and I know Auburn's not had a great year, five and six. Alabama sitting at nine and two, uh, still sitting on the outside, looking in in the playoff race. Um, the Tide are a 22-point favorite in this one in the Iron Bowl. Uh, Auburn, uh, Alabama, is there any drama there, or, or is uh, uh, Saban going to go ahead and just get, take this one running away there, Leanne? I don't think this is going
4: to take their running away Running away, I don't. I think he's just. He's going. They're going to just have to. I think Alabama realizes they're just trying to finish the season. They definitely don't want another upset, especially by Auburn in the last one. You know, this is bragging rights. On I think Alabama, they're going to just have to. They're going to have to keep it under control, regardless of what's happening. Obviously, they're not going bowling. You know, and all. You know, there's a lot of things. You know, there's those. There's those Alabama loyal hopefuls that are like, well, if this team loses and this team loses, <laughs> there is a chance. There is a chance. There's a chance. All right, a lot of teams would have to lose that are not. You know, for it to even be but it's it's not like I said, like we say in South. Bless their heart. Um, when it comes down to Bama, just gonna, they're just gonna have to not play with mistakes because Auburn's yeah. gonna come with a lot of gusto, especially you know, even though they don't got a head coach, you know, and even though he's not in the uh, the jet, the big conversation. You got to hand it to Cadillac Williams and what he's done um, with that interim. You know, he's a guy that I, regardless of Lane and and Freeze's name has been come up. Man, I wish they would give Cadillac Williams an opportunity because what he's done. In the last um, last couple games with Auburn, he's changed the coaches, Uh, you know, the culture and the player in just a short amount of time. And Auburn's playing a lot better ball. They're playing, and I think Auburn's going to play loose in this one because you know there's not that pressure. And I think he's helped catapult that. Uh, Like I said, I think Auburn um, is going to come in and they're going to keep it close just because they have a lot of momentum. Tanks has been doing a really good job, you know, obviously um, with that backfield. What's going to happen is is they're going to have to they're going to have to make some big plays. They're going to have to find a way to, to hang with it um, with Alabama, even with Alabama being Alabama and making mistakes. You know, they're still they can still outshine Auburn early on. So Auburn can't let this game get away from them too early. So I'm going to take. I still think that 22 points for Alabama points. in this game, the rivalry, yeah, is fun. a lot of points. So I'm going to take Auburn to cover with the 22 points, hands down. I just like the way that Cadillac Williams has been getting this team to rally, um, despite all the circumstances, I feel like they're playing with a lot less pressure um, and they're playing a lot more loose and I think that we're going to see a lot better ball in this game uh, with Auburn and Alabama. Okay,
1: okay, Haven, what are you thinking? Uh, Alabama laying the 22 at home?
2: Uh, Man, you know, on paper you would think this would be a complete blowout 22 would be like easy for, you know, for Alabama to get a 22-point victory on Auburn should be very easy, but you know what? I agree wholeheartedly with Le'Anne, Again, Auburn has been playing better ball. I don't think they can win the game. I don't think they have a shot to win the game. But I think they can definitely hold Alabama to, uh, you know, to anything less than a twenty-two point victory. So yeah, so give me Auburn the points.
1: Yeah, and you know what, and, and, and the only thing I think about this one where it gives me pause, I know that Alabama, you know, <laughs> they're never out of it when it comes to the playoff, and I know they're going to try to come out there and put up a statement because at this point, the only thing they control is just a margin of victory win, so I feel like that they they may try to push it to just score a bunch of points to just make it look good on paper for the voters, um, but I, I agree with you. I think 22 is a, is a bit much in a heated rivalry game. I, I think I'll agree, so I think we're all three in agreement. I just don't know that Alabama Alabama can cover that 22-point uh, favorite uh, in the Iron Bowl. Um, so I give me Auburn as well. Uh, next we're going to go out to the Pac-12. We're going to go out uh, to Oregon. Oregon State, um, the, the, the the rivalry game out there. Um, Oregon is a two-point favorite on the road at uh, number 21, Oregon State. Oregon State's had a pretty good year. Um, Leanne, what do you think about this one for the Ducks, uh, Given laying the two-and-a-half on the road?
4: I like the Ducks two-and-a-half on the road. Didn't really go on I feel like this is one that I think Oregon is going to win, their, you know, hands down. I like Oregon State. They come out, they play grit. You know, these are a lot of games that you can sit there and, like, hey, everything looks good on paper. You're supposed to win, like you say, too. Mm-hmm. But I just feel there's a lot of emotional thing. I like Oregon to go on the road and cover. I think Oregon is still playing with that anticipation, trying to get a better bowl. You know, a lot of these teams that, you know, are titter-totter with the getting in the playoffs, a lot of teams would have to lose. Now they're playing for what bowl they're going to play for. So they're still trying to put some style points, and I feel like Oregon is going to go out there. They want to close, you know, after, you know, everybody still remembers how they, that, that chomp shop that they got against Georgia, oh, yeah. but then they, they turn things around. So I like Oregon. Um, I like Oregon on the road uh, to cover those two points. I think it's just a slim enough margin. I think Oregon gets it done, Uh, you know, hands down on that one.
1: I like it. Haven, what are you thinking? Oregon laying two and a half on the road at Oregon State. Man, two and a half is literally a push them.
2: But Vegas favors Oregon to get it done. But you know what? I think Oregon State is going to get it done at home in the slimmest of margins. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you can never underestimate the amount of hatred you have for your rival. And I think being at home is going to give them that, that just the extra boost they need to overcome and win a very, very close game.
1: Okay. Okay. And I tell you what, for me, uh, on, on this one, like Bo Nix is surprised me because Bo Nix has been a guy that I just been made. I've made fun of <laughs> for years, and, but he's come out. He's had a great year, um, at Oregon. Uh, you know, they're right on the outside looking in of the playoff, but I do think the ducks have had a, a better than thought of year. I thought that they were pretenders at the beginning of the year and especially after they got blown out by Georgia in the first game. Uh, but they have acquitted themselves well after that only losing one more, uh, one game, uh, since that blowout to Georgia. Um, so give me the Ducks on the road. I just think that that, um, that passing game of Bo Nix, um, he's having a special season. Um, I do think that he go he goes ahead and gets it done. Uh, so give me the Ducks uh, on that one as well. Um, I, I tell you what, this next one, we're going to go to one of the uh, another Historic and classic rivalry, Uh, number 15 Notre Dame, who has completely turned around uh, their season in in, uh, uh, their first year under Coach Williams. Um, What do you think about this one on the road at USC, a team that just came off playing one of the best football games I've seen in a long time? That USC-UCLA game last week was just great. Um, But 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 Caleb Williams was outstanding. So now they are uh, welcoming in uh, the the Notre Dame Irish at home. What are you thinking about this one, Leanne? USC is a four point favorite. They're laying four points um, at home in this one. Uh, What are you thinking about the Trojans and the Irish?
4: You know USC, like you said, that was finally the USC everybody has been waiting for for a long time to translate. Last week's game was, was real it was like the classic USC that we've expected. We but you know what? It's I almost feel like it's a little too late because USC's try they're at that number six spot. You know there goes back and forth. Well, if TCU loses, do you put USC in that four spot? You know, so they're still trying to play and hang on. Now Notre Dame, like we said, Notre Dame is just man. They must have said a lot of novenas, a lot of hail Marys. They must. Have done some work because they have changed their season around, and it shows. And I'm going to take Notre Dame in this one just because wow. I feel like Notre Dame wants to play spoiler, and they're just good at doing that. You see, like I, I, feel like USC is trying to put do a late push, and I get where they're coming from. I see where Lincoln Riley's trying. Caleb Williams has a phenomenal game, but I think I like Notre Dame to cover for the four points. I think USC USC is going to is going to come out with the win, but I like Notre Dame to keep it to keep it chaotic and keep USC on their toes. I just feel like that's in the air in the mix because they know that US, USC is so close to being that to being in that playoff spot. So they're not going to give them that satisfaction. I felt like USC came up a little too late as far as trying to make it to the committee because I mean, when you look at the Pac when you look at the Pac schedule and everything and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's just it's just really hard to make a case for, you know, for them to take that fourth spot. Even you know with like a team like LSU and in some other teams even there even Michigan I would I would put a Michigan team in there or Ohio State team even with the loss there before I put a USC team just because I felt the strength of schedule but that's just on me at the end of the day we don't get to sit there on the yeah. playoff committee and make the decision but but I feel like Notre Dame is is like Vanderbilt. Um they're that, they, they, they like to play spoilers. They come up with some weird stuff, and they find a way to push through. So I'm going to take Notre Dame for those four points. Really slim margin. I think US, USC comes out with the win because they're going to come out and play hard. They finally clicked, but it, but I feel like it's a little late in the season to to click for USC to make an ultimate statement that they deserve to be in that playoff run.
1: I like it. I like it. Haven, what do you think? USC uh, laying the four points at home over Notre Dame.
2: So, we all know a Lincoln is nothing more than an expensive Ford and a poor man's Cadillac. <laughs> so, we're going up that analogy. I'm taking USC in a four point. Uh, I, I know Notre Dame has turned their season around. They're playing much harder, playing much better. But, man, watching that, that, that UCLA game and just seeing the mental toughness and physical toughness of USC, this almost reminds you of those USC teams are old. They're playing at home. I think they get it done. Give me USC in a four-point.
1: And I will agree with you. I think USC uh, does get it done. Um, that that game just really swayed me uh, last week. I don't know if it was the lights or what it was, the Fox cameras, but man, they just, they look like a superhuman squad. So I tell you what, uh, give me USC. I- I'll lay that for, um, I think that they they do try to uh, put some bulletin board material up there for the uh, selection committee to think about. So definitely get it done. I know before we only have a couple minutes left. Leanne, you got any questions? Uh, uh, quick steals for us before we get out of here today
4: i think we got to talk about that iowa state at at number four tcu that's going to be another nail biter obviously tcu is holding on strong to you know go 12 and 0 they have a very good chance out in fort worth but they got to get through iowa state uh iowa state like i said that another blue collar nitty-gritty team tcu max duggan played a heck of a game we saw what the mobility he did in that tight, tight game against last week against Baylor that I think scared everybody uh, who, was, who was betting on TCU. But I'm going to take Iowa State to cover in this one. I just, I just think that they're going to come to play. TCU's a little bit worn out um, as far as their health, on uh, some of their key skill positions. You know, some of their players are questionable from last week's game, a little bit of injury. So TCU might not be uh, jumping out of the gate rolling like they usually do. Their defense has played a lot better, and I think we're going to see a lot more of the TCU defense uh, play a role in this game just because of the wear and tear on that TCU offense. But, um, but if if you're not talking about the TCU quarterback Max in that high, yeah. Duggan in that in that Heisman race as a late you know late forerunner, I don't know what you're thinking because we, we I mean we saw how that kid oh, hard and everything. I tell you Just what, what the, he that walk off field, <laughs> field
1: goal that walk off field was amazing. Oh, there, I, I, I agree oh, with you.
4: <laughs> we, oh, I was watching I was watching that game and I was like, oh my! And you know, and I don't know why a lot of people aren't calling a Baylor head coach Dave Aranda for some of those opening positions because yes. if you watched him. Through the whole entire site, one of the most defensive, brilliant, most defensive, brilliant minds in the conference (laughs) and in college football, but he stayed calm and collected through that whole entire game. So that's just definitely different. But like I said, I'm going to take TCU to keep rolling. I think that they're going to make a statement. Uh, You know, they're the unicorns of college football right now. They've had a magical season, and I think they're going to continue that, especially at home. They're going to close it. They're going to make a statement. But I think Ohio State is going to. I mean, not Ohio State is going to hang with them with. 10 points, and they're going to keep it close. Um, and so I'm going to take TCE to roll, but I'm going to take Iowa State to cover well, on there, this
1: one. Well, there we go. Well, I appreciate it. Leanne, Haven, Harrington, I appreciate you guys. It was a quick two hours, but I appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you all next week.
4: See you all next week. All right, L's thank up. you
1: all. Peace.